popping the lid on all things real estate with Tina Miller Light and Sherry Ann Houser Bush. Your place to pop in and learn all about the home buying and selling process in a fun and lighthearted manner. Happy Thirsty Thursday, everybody. It's Sherry Ann Houser Bush and Tina Miller Light. Hi, how's everybody doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We have a guest speaker today. This is going to be a great topic. We have Zach Robinson from Farmers Insurance. Hi, Zach. Hello, Sherry and Tina. <laughs> How are you guys? We are wonderful. Good. Thank Eager to learn all about insurance today. Yes, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy quoting policies and have a brand new baby boy. Tell us about the baby. Indeed, yeah. So baby was born uh, two months ago. His name is Asher James. Uh, he came early, so he's currently in the NICU uh, downtown at the hospital, but he is growing day by day. He's 5.9 pounds now, so wifey and I are very excited, and he's due home sometime in July, so uh, nice. we're pretty excited about that, and yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, thank yeah. you. We're, we're First excited. time dad? First time dad, yeah. yeah he's uh, he's a handful already. He just couldn't wait to make his appearance in the world. So well, good. It sounds he like he's in the best hands possible. So. Indeed he is. Well, and then I read, actually I didn't read, I saw that Father's Day was exciting for Zach because something special happened for the first time on Father's Day. Do you know what it was? I don't know. What was it? Did it involve a bottle? <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, wow. I got to bottle feed him for the oh. first time. So far, he's been on a feeding tube that, that feeds him, and I got to bottle feed him for the first time. That's wow. right. That was a pretty epic Father's Day gift, yeah. for sure. It's the greatest Father's Day gift. Well, anyway, um, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about homeowner's insurance. I know there's a lot of things going on in the industry right now that can be kind of challenging for our consumers. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, so uh, no pun intended, but the insurance companies got burned by all the wildfires over the last couple of years in California. And so (laughs) a lot of insurance uh, carriers specifically for properties, so home insurance and things of that nature have said we don't want to do this anymore. We're we're leaving the state. Uh, I don't know if that's on a permanent basis. I doubt it is. Probably more on a temporary basis. Uh, but you're talking about some heavy hitters in, in the industry. Allstate, State Farm, um, those are probably the two biggest that have left so far. Costco shut down their insurance program for new business. So you have all these carriers that are not accepting new business um, anymore for home insurance and it's impacting the consumer in a big way because it's limiting their options of where they can find home insurance. So Is that primarily in California? Primarily in California. Florida uh, is having some issues, but Florida and California are the two big states right now that are having having some issues to yeah. say the least. So when they say California's on fire, they they are taking it literally. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of in Florida they don't have wildfires, do they? Hurricanes. Hurricanes, okay. Hurricanes. Um other, I, I saw the other day in 2021, insurance companies paid a combined $116 billion in natural disasters alone. So that gives you an idea of just how much the insurance companies are paying out in claims. 
versus what they're collecting in premium. And they have to collect more in premium from you than they're paying out in claims to be able to stay in business, right? That's how any business will work. And so with inflation, um, with the cost of these claims increasing, and there's some other factors going on as well, uh, the insurance carriers, some of them just have said it's at this point, we're just not going to write any new business and we're shutting it down. Oh, wow. And so that's just for homeowners insurance? Uh, all insurance? <clears throat> Property insurance specifically. Mm-hmm. So uh, condos, landlords, um, home insurance. So I know, I believe State Farm shut down all property insurance, regardless of what it was from renters to condos to landlords to commercial um, property insurance as well. Um, There's some stuff going on on the auto side as well, but home insurance is is a big deal right now. Why can't they just shut down, why do they have to shut down all of California? Why can't they just shut down the properties that are in high fire zones? Because I don't think it's just related to fires. I mean, the fires haven't helped over the past couple of years, but you have a few factors. So you have um, COVID happening, right? And so you have inflation as high as it's ever been. So what used a two by four used to cost X and now it costs this. Um, Insurance companies have not been able to raise rates for the last couple of years, were heavily regulated by the Department of Insurance and they did not approve any rate increases during COVID. So while the milk industry can say, okay, a gallon of milk used to cost two bucks, but our cost is now increased, so now we're gonna charge four bucks. We can't do that. So even though our costs were increasing and what we're paying out in claims, we can't start charging more on the rate without the Department of Insurance um, approval. So we're paying more out in claims than ever, but we're not able to raise rates to collect more dollars in premium. And so it's not just in the high fires, it's all over the state because it's not just wildfires, it's uh, water damage to the home, it's theft, it's burglary, it's uh, liability claims that are out from people getting hurt on properties. It's, it's all of these things kind of combining at once that are contributing to this issue. Huh. So what are people's options then? So there's still a lot of cares that are open. So for us at Farmers, we are still open uh, for home insurance. Uh, one of the things that separates myself as a farmer's agent and other farmer's agents is we can offer other products as well. So let's say that Farmers does not like a particular property, meaning they, they would prefer not to insure it or can't insure it, don't want to insure it we can shop to other carriers. So there's still carriers doing business in California, but uh, the price points are definitely more than what they've been, and the options are definitely slimmer than they were before. Can you walk us through what happened? So say somebody's house catches on fire, burns down, and they have to replace the house. What is the process of that? And are you paying out dollar for dollar? Great question. So let's say that uh, you bought a home for $500,000, right? That's what the market says it's worth. That's what you could buy or sell it for. Well, we necessarily didn't insure it at $500,000. We insured it at how much it would cost us to rebuild the home from the ground up. So we look at the home's features, its square footage, how many bedrooms, bathrooms, what type of flooring does it have, what type of countertops does it have. We input all this information into a system to see 
how much is this going to cost us to rebuild it? And so we may insure that $500,000 home for $450,000, $550,000, $600,000, whatever it's going to be. It's just it's not tied to what the value market value of that home is um, if they're having a replacement cost on their, on their policy. So if a home burns down, obviously the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to try and find them someplace to live. So we're going to find them a place to live, put them in um, a home or wherever, and we're going to pay that expense for a specific amount of time while their home is being rebuilt. Uh, that's important because most homeowners have a mortgage, right? And so you don't want to have to pay a mortgage on top of having to pay rent to live somewhere else. So it's nice that the insurance company can at least pick up one of those costs. And generally, pre-COVID, I don't know what it's like now, it was six to eight months to rebuild a home from the ground up. Um, generally for just your standard track home and so that's kind of the process that goes into that it's probably longer now I would assume longer Uh, supply and demand Mm -hmm. cost of materials contractors uh, contractors are definitely in high demand so it's that's probably gone up for sure Mm. and so is that insurance available at an affordable price to all of our property owners or let's say someone in the foothills so you know here in our area we recently had a couple years ago we had a creek fire which you know devastated a lot of people and since then a lot of those homeowners have had problems getting insurance so what would you recommend i mean what is it looking like for them sure so there has to be a market for them to get insurance somewhere uh so Getting insurance, I don't know if that's a problem. If that's a problem, but getting affordable insurance, so people that live up in Shaver, Bass Lake, the foothills, certain areas like that, they're going to require to get um, most likely a specific policy just for fire. Uh, it's called the California Fair Plan, and mm-hmm. so you get that. That's really covering fire and fire-related things. And then you're getting a separate policy from a farmer's agent or whatever agent that's going to cover non-fire related things. And those two policies combined um, complement each other to make kind of a full homeowner's policy that someone would have here on the valley floor in a normal suburban area. So uh, it's not that the it's a struggle to find insurance up there, but finding it affordable right. because you can see it in the thousands and thousands of dollars, which if you bought a home there in the 80s and you weren't paying a lot for insurance back then, you were paying a few hundred bucks a year and now all of a sudden it costs seven, eight, nine thousand dollars a year how can you afford to still insure your home and live up there? It's, it's difficult. Yes. So why, uh, I guess we already discussed why prices are increasing because of all of the inflation, uh, COVID, um, fire, all the fires that are happening. Um, what other, what other things do you think contribute, you know, to what someone would be paying for? Is it the quality of the home or, you know, what times, what type of other things that people consider when they're looking for uh, insurance? So, you know, a home is someone's biggest asset, right? It's for most people, it's their biggest asset. It's the thing they own that is worth the most. And so making sure that they're properly insured, that isn't just insuring the home itself. 
You want to ensure the stuff you own inside the home. So your couches, your TVs, your furniture. You want to ensure if something does happen to your home and you can't live there, do I now have to pay out of pocket to live somewhere else? Or can the insurance company facilitate that cost? Separate structures. You have your fencing and your concrete and your pool and a shed in the back. You want to make sure those things are insured. So it's you're never really just insuring the house by itself it's all the other stuff that goes along with it the electrical the plumbing the drywall and all of those things so when we build a homeowner's policy it is a complete package to encompass everything that happens with that home even to the extent of if someone gets hurt on your property and they want to take legal action against you having some type of coverage in place to protect you from that which we call you know personal liability coverage so we don't we sell it as a package of everything kind of included in that because we see the full picture, not just, hey, you're in a high fire area, let's just cover fire. No, uh, you can have your home flood in those areas too, or you can have someone break in and theft. And so we we try to see the whole picture and encompass um, as much coverage as we can. I don't know if that answers yeah. that. <laughs> well, what would be the reasons why you would deny someone coverage? Great question. So uh, a lot of carriers are more strict now than they used to be for inspection. So when someone buys a home, you guys have your inspection process, right? Right. Uh, Once escrow is closed, that inspection process for you guys and all that is done. The insurance company sends an inspection person out to go look at the outside of the home, sometimes the inside of the homes, to see does this home meet the eligibility requirements of this carrier? And what they're looking for is, is their chipped fascia, is their chipped paint, is the roof bad? Do they have a electrical system that doesn't meet our standards of because it's outdated, it's knob and tube wiring, or it has a weird electrical panel on it, whatever it is. And so if they see those things, then they have the right to decline insuring that property. And they have to give what's called a legal notice to the um, homeowner saying you have this much time before your policy with us is going to cancel to find insurance somewhere else or to fix these things for us to keep you. Okay. And so there is an inspection process that goes on after the close of escrow. Now, do they make an appointment to come out and walk through the property or they're just doing like a drive-by looky-loo type of inspection? They should be doing a drive-by because sometimes they have to go in the home to look at certain things in the home. And so they obviously will have to set up an appointment to do that. I know two-year roof certs are a big deal with you guys, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They are irrelevant to us. (laughs) We don't care. You can have a two-year roof cert and the insurance um, inspectors will go out and look at it and say, no way we are not going to insure this roof the way it is so just because you guys may get a two-year roof cert doesn't mean that the insurance company is okay with that it still has to meet their criteria of what a good or newer or solid roof is so those inspections are happening after close of escrow or during after okay so really important to have an agent. Uh, This is why we always recommend a local agent, even if it's not a farmer's agent or myself, some local agent that understands the area that can look at the property because how is it going to feel if you guys sell a buyer a home and they think it's insured and everything is great and now they get a letter saying, hey, your insurance is canceling because your roof 
doesn't meet our criteria and now they're scrambling to try and find insurance and they may find insurance that's way more expensive or they may find insurance that is more cookie cutter that says hey we'll insure this home but this roof doesn't look good so we're going to exclude coverage from the roof or we're only going to cover the roof for x y and z and not covered all these other things so having a local agent that can go by look at the property see a copy of the appraisal report or do some of those things to make sure that there's no issues after it's closed escrow is a big deal that makes us look good it makes you guys look good and it yeah um, makes the buyer feel more at ease and that can be done in the inspection period of the contract i did have that happen to me on a transaction a couple mm-hmm. years ago i had a client who purchased a investment property and um, once we closed escrow um, her insurance carrier contacted her and said I don't think we are going to cover you any further because there was a claim Hmm. um, for flooding of some sort against the from the previous owner that was not disclosed to us and so it did create a huge problem yeah. yeah, so I can see why that would become an issue. This is why as sellers disclose, 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 yes. disclose. And speaking of flooding, because I was just fixing to ask you, like, so water intrusion, water-related claims. I think that there's a misconception that all kind of water damage is covered. So can you explain, like, somebody has a pipe bust you know, what's kind yeah. of covered, what's not covered? Great question, because this year we had a crazy amount of rain um, here in the mm-hmm. Central Valley, which resulted in a crazy amount of claims also being filed. And so, um, you know, people mistake flood insurance from just normal home insurance, right? And so, so on our end, any claim is going to have to go under a claims investigation for coverage, and everyone's circumstance is different. But generally water that is rising up from outside the home and coming into the home is classified as flood and flood is its own separate policy um, from a traditional homeowner's policy which you know we've been in a drought for how long and so now everyone is thinking well do i have to carry flood insurance because i didn't have it this year and then water is rising out of my home and entering into the home and so that's been a big topic of conversation this year as well is what's classified as a flood versus what's not classified as a flood and is there coverage for that under a homeowner's policy and they're they're two separate policies now are there certain policies that you would recommend every homeowner have especially in our area like i've always known Hey, earthquake insurance, right? Is that a policy that you guys offer and do you think it's necessary? Yeah. And then, you know, again, the flood, we haven't had a lot of water, so that's another issue. Great question. So insurance is all about risk, right? Like how much risk am I willing to tolerate versus not tolerate? And there's a fine line between properly insuring someone versus under or over insuring them. So, uh, Earthquake, for an example, that is something that we do offer. Um, It's not actually done directly through farmers. It's done through the California Earthquake Authority, and they give us insurance agents, regardless of what company you represent, access to them to be able to write a policy for our clients. Um, It all comes down to each individual person's risk tolerance, because I've heard people that are adamant about wanting earthquake insurance 
and we're nowhere near a fault line. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard people that don't want flood insurance and they back up to a river or a canal and their home is going to flood. And so uh, for me, again, just looking at the full picture, I think a lot of it, as you guys say, is location, location, location. So if I'm near a body of water, uh, I'm having flood insurance. If I have an older home or if I, I have a yard or a lot that is set up kind of different to where it's susceptible for water to come from outside the home in, I'm, I'm getting flood insurance. Um, earthquake insurance, depending on the type of policy you want, is more affordable than people think. Uh, so I've always liked the idea of earthquake insurance because it's the cost is just not super significant like being in a high wildfire area is. Uh, so I, I do recommend earthquake insurance for sure. Now, are those required by, let's see, farmers? Does farmers require certain areas, certain locations to be covered by certain types? Like if you're in a high fire area, are you required to carry fire insurance? Great question. So if you are in a certain area uh, that they deem high wildfire potential, or high hazard potential, then they could require you to have that California fair plan in place in order for them to insure all the rest of the stuff. So these insurance companies years ago said, we're done insuring properties in these high fire areas. We'll still insure everything else for the most part, but you gotta go get a separate policy that just covers fire. So introduce the California fair plan coming into play. That's their job. That's the purpose that they serve is they're called the insurer of last resort. It's because you couldn't find fire insurance anywhere else because farmers or any other company wouldn't cover that portion of it. So you get a policy from them. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only way that farmers will provide coverage in those areas is if you also have a fair plan. Uh, earthquake insurance, not required. Flood insurance may be required by FEMA, uh, but not by farmers or another insurance company directly. Now I know this might be a tough question, but okay. Is there any way you could give us an idea of like a range of what people might expect to pay for an insurance policy just to, you know, um, in certain areas? I mean, yeah, so because <laughs> um, there are people that have no idea what, what right. insurance costs. So I'm just trying to see if there's yeah. a way we can. So I mentioned earlier that the Department of Insurance locked the like froze rate increases um, when COVID started. They've now started to allow insurance carriers to take rate and increase their rates, uh, which they desperately need to do. As much as the consumer and people don't want to hear that, insurance companies need to raise rates. And once those gates opened, the insurance carriers just fled um, and took as much possible rate as they could. So you are seeing rates go up. I've seen up in a high wildfire area like Shaver Lake or Bass Lake, I've seen policies go from $3,000 a year, uh, sometimes maybe a little less, all the way up to $15,000 a year, $20,000 a year, depending on the property and the size, because you have some big properties that are up in Shaver, uh, multi-million dollar properties, and so those can get pretty costly. On the valley floor, you can see something from four to five hundred bucks a year, all the way up to three or four thousand dollars a year. It it all it all depends. But we're just going to see those numbers 
go up uh, as mm-hmm. insurance carriers continue to file for rate increases with the Department of Insurance. Is there ever going to be a cap on the rate increase time period or there amount? <laughs> kind of now is is a cap in place. So with auto insurance as an example, insurance carriers can file for a 6.9% rate increase without having to go through as much of a review and strenuous process with the Department of Insurance. So a lot of carriers will just max out their filings at 6.9% because it's way easier for that, them to get that approved, way quicker to get it approved, and they don't have to go through as much of a process. But if they want to take 20, 30% rate increases, it's a lot more difficult. It takes a lot longer. So there's a big process to go through that. So a lot of carriers don't bother doing that. They just continue to take 6.9, 6.9, 6.9. To say there's a cap on it, no. I, the, the cap is the Department of Insurance and what they'll approve or not approve because they're trying to balance protecting the consumer versus also making sure that the insurance carriers don't go insolvent and have money to be able to pay claims and don't just leave. So it's this balancing act that the DOI has to do. Right. And I'm sure the consumer is also looking for the best pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. That's that's a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> sorry to get no, all insurance no. nerd talk on you. No. I know it's not the most exciting thing. It is. I, I think it is. What kind of coverages do you suggest to like a typical homeowner? So I know you have company come over, like guest. Mm-hmm. Are they covered under a policy? Like, do you need liability, personal injury? You're insuring your big items, like your jewelry and things like that. So what, if somebody was to come in and sit down with you, what are kind of the things that you're suggesting that they carry? Great question. So uh, personal liability is something that we definitely recommend. And we like to start that at 300,000 and it can go upwards of there. A lot of times, most times we also recommend a million dollar umbrella on top of that uh, because we see it more than you would think someone getting hurt at a property and then pursuing legal action against that homeowner because they got hurt during a barbecue or because they slipped and fell in a pool and hurt themselves or whatever happened. So that's something we would recommend. Uh, I think... Go ahead. Before we go, don't yeah. forget that, but can you tell people what umbrella, what you mean by that? Yeah, so uh, in the literal sense, think about an umbrella. It sits over you and it covers you, right, as rain is falling down. And so an umbrella, million dollars worth of coverage, and you have your auto and your home policy that sit underneath it. Okay. And your auto and home policy have their own coverages. If those coverages get exceeded, because you hit me in an auto accident, I'm hurt, and now I sue you for X amount of dollars, and your auto insurance can't cover that, your umbrella of a million dollars kicks in to cover the difference if that's increased. And you can have higher than a million dollar umbrella, but that's where they start out, and they increase in million dollar increments from there. And then they're coming after your home and all your assets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, sorry to sidetrack you on that one. I just happened to think so. No, great question, because it's important, because we've seen wage garnishment before. We've seen, Uh um, you know, people have to sell assets to 
deal with the judgment that's been handed down as a result of that. So it's very, very important. And um, since COVID, I feel like we blame everything on COVID, <laughs> but since COVID, uh, the increase in umbrella claims that have happened is staggering. So they are getting used more and more. So it is not as uncommon as you think. Um, you mentioned jewelry. I feel like that's something that's not talked about enough. So, uh, you know, you have a $10,000 wedding ring, a $15,000 wedding ring. You should have that insured um, on your homeowner's policy. It's not just thrown in together with the normal coverages that you have. It's called a, a floater or a rider. You're scheduling jewelry on the policy where it will cover that piece of jewelry anywhere in the world if something happens to it. Um, so gets stolen off of your finger, you get mugged or a prong comes loose and the diamond goes flying out, you know, there's there's potential coverage to be there. Whereas if you don't have your jewelry specifically covered, then you have some gaps in place. What if someone cuts your finger off while you're wearing the ring, they steal the ring, are you covered under the theft of the ring and bodily injury? That's interesting. I'm going to need to call a claims team or claims department to ask them if they've ever seen that before. That That's a new one. I'm sure it's happened. It's had to have happened. And we see crazy stuff all the time. I mean, it could happen. So what other things, what other kind of insurance policies do you offer? Do you have products other than home insurance? What are your, your things that you insure? Yes. Uh, so we do a lot of auto insurance, so personal insurance. Uh, we do life insurance as well. And then we're big in commercial insurance. So that's an area that I specialize in a lot, I would say, that my office does uh, well in. So if you own a business, if you have employees, different types of business policies, workers' comp, uh, commercial auto insurance, contractors. Um, we insure a lot of apartment complexes as well. Uh, that's an area that we focus a lot in. So, uh, I mean, we even offer pet insurance. If there's an insurance for it, then we probably do it. And I have done it outside of uh, health, dental, and vision. That's not an area that I, I focus in. What about renter's insurance? Do We do do renter's insurance. Yep, what, definitely. Uh, what are some of the, like, what is a typical renter's insurance policy? Because we do have a lot of renters listening to our podcast. So you can get a renter's policy, my goodness, from 9 to 20 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month, somewhere in that range. And so you're the, the landlord, right? Let's say you own the apartment complex or you own the home that I'm renting. Well, you're insuring the home itself, but you don't care about my belongings that are inside this home or in this apartment unit. So renter's insurance is gonna cover their stuff that they own in their unit, as well as liability if someone gets hurt at that house or gets hurt in the unit. Um, and then it'll cover loss of use as well. So if something happens on an apartment unit, they can't live there, the insurance company can help kick in for them to live somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, I figured it was pretty reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. Pretty inexpensive when you're a renter to get some coverage. Very, very much. But uh, life insurance is, is definitely a big one, especially when you consider these, a lot of people that are buying a home or um, first time home buyers, they just got married, they're starting a family, you know, now they have this big mortgage and they have this this home. You'd call it mortgage protection if you wanted to. They they should be having life insurance, and so that's an area we focus on a lot with our home buyers for sure. Um, so yeah. Awesome. 
anything else that we need to talk about? This has been a lot, yes. a lot of great information. Now, if you have a security system, would that potentially lower your premium? Yes, absolutely. Okay. A monitored security system would definitely get you a discount that can help with the premium, for oh, sure. Yeah. What about living within a thousand feet of a fire hydrant? Big deal. Big deal. If you if you can get a home within five miles of a fire station and a hundred and a thousand feet of a fire hydrant, that can help with your insurance premium quite a bit. Awesome. Good to know. <laughs> what resources or tools are available for homeowners so they can better understand policies and make informed decisions? Do you guys have anything available online or? Your local agent. Yeah, this is contact. <laughs> yeah, this contact is, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> dead serious. This is, and not to thrash any company, but now more than ever with all of this uncertainty and how volatile the insurance market is, having a local agent and not having to call a 1-800 number where you speak with a random person that may or may not be in California or in the Midwest or East Coast or wherever, having because I'm not in business if I don't have clients, right? Like I'm a small business owner. And so I have a vested interest in my clients to make sure they're taken care of. So I want to give them the best information and resources possible. So now more than ever, contact a local agent. So if somebody has a, we're going to go to switch over to car insurance just a second, just for ease of my question. So if somebody has a, an accident, are they going to call you or are they going to call the number on their insurance card? They can do either. I would prefer that they call us so we can help them with filing a claim because that's our job is you you use your insurance when you need to file a claim. So your insurance agent should be there to help you through that process for sure. Unless it's two or three in the morning and I'm sleeping because uh, my wife will not want to hear the phone ringing at 2 a.m. Especially with that new baby. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's going to be up anyway. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess that's true. He's going to be burping that he's baby. He's been t- doing the feedings. <laughs> Um, I want you to do something for me. I'm going to put you on the spot. So I know, um, is it State Farm? Jake, what are you wearing? And then you got Flo Uh, from Progressive, right? mm -hmm. What is, so your gig, is it just, we are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) We have Professor Burke. Oh, Professor Burke. Bald guy with the glasses. I love it. He wow. understood the mission. <laughs> I understood the assignment. <laughs> well, it. Zach, thank you so much. I think we covered a lot of things in detail, and uh, we appreciate your time and your knowledge. And everyone, if you need insurance, Zach is the person to contact. At Farmers Insurance, and we'll put all the information for Zach in the show notes. Yes. Is there any parting words? Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. it was, so it thanks was for having me on. Yeah, ah, anytime. Well, I feel like, you know, in a couple of months, maybe we can do a part two and go into more. This is a lot of information. Part two, we can talk about auto insurance because there's some crazy stuff happening in the auto industry, almost worse than home. So next oh, time we yes, can talk about on. that we for sure. You. And we should because you <clears throat> were talking about discounts. So if you bundle your home and auto, and then it's going to be cheaper. Massive savings. Massive. 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 Depending on what you define on <laughs> massive, but it's like one of the biggest discounts that you can get bundling for sure. Okay. Now, is that bundling home and auto, or would it be you're bundling home and life? 
all the above. Wow. All the so above. So the, the, the key takeaway here is bundle all your insurance policies, uh, live within five miles of a fire station, and what, a thousand feet of a fire hydrant. And have an alarm. But the, okay, so let's talk oh, about this alarm. Oh, security system, yeah. That you can't just have like one of those little easy, safe, simply safe. It has to be one that's actually well, going to be monitored to. Simply safe is monitored. A place, well, <laughs> come on, but the Zach. point I'm trying to get, I don't know, I'm throwing them out Like there. a ring doorbell? It has to be, yeah, it has to be actually monitored, correct, to count. Or no? For to maximize the discount, you would want to have it monitored for sure. Okay. Okay. So if it's not monitored. With us, I can't speak for other people, but with us. So, yeah. like, I have one, and if somebody comes in, it just sounds inside my house and then does absolutely nothing but make my dog bark. So probably not going to be a lot of savings from that. Not much. Okay. That's where I was getting, where I was going with that. Okay. Well, anyway, um, Zach, thank you. Thank you. Tina? Peace, love, and real estate.